I'm Megan Sheets. Welcome to the Generational Wisdom Podcast. I believe that you get out what you put into anything you do, including parenting. In this podcast, my dad and I talk about mindful parenting from the perspective of two generations. I find that these conversations about different parenting approaches not only challenge me, but also help me to feel more connected with my toddler. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Generational Wisdom Podcast. This is Megan, and today is part two of Dad and I's conversation about discipline. And today the conversation kicks off talking about grounding and really more focused on some alternative approaches to grounding. So thank you guys for tuning back in, and we hope you enjoy. I frankly can't even remember, because I had the perspective of a child growing up in a house without grounding. Tell me just a few examples or tools people could put in their back pocket for what to do or how to handle it or an example of how you guys, you and mom handled it when we did do something that disappointed you or was totally against what you would have wanted. Well, you know, if people are getting grounded, that means you've entered into a power struggle and that's the parent's biggest weapon. Uh, If you brought out the biggest gun, If it don't work, what do you do now? So I wouldn't say grounding is absolutely never, ever to be done. But I would say that if you get to that point, then you're walking a very dangerous line because the only way you could ground somebody and be sure that they don't leave is to actually tie them up, chain them to the bed. because every room I've ever been in has a window, and every kid I've ever known has crawled out those windows. Uh, even if the drop is a, a bit of a drop, I've seen it done. I've done it. So you, you're escalating to a, a new level that can't be good. So for me, grounding was never an option. Now, timeout's an option which we discussed a little bit earlier with a little kid, you know, two minutes on the couch, and we teach him how to tell time. Uh, As you get older, time can increase a little bit. Uh, And as, you know, you get to a a certain point in which if they can't discipline themselves to behave in a productive way, there's not a lot you can do. That's why the young years are so damn important and so damn scary for a parent because you have to make at least appear to the the child that they are independent, that they do have power over what happens to them, and that they are making decisions. And that's where you have to think. That's where this job becomes intellectual. Uh, Would you like... uh, to read a book or would you like to watch 10 minutes of TV before bed? Uh, there, you know, you, would you, you know, what other, you always, if you give options, then they're making decisions and choices. So that's, that's the tricky part. I don't know anybody that's ever written a book that tells you exactly how to do it because you can't because every situation is going to be different. Every parent's perspective will be different every child's perspective will be different. So 
you can't really say exactly how you're going to deal with something. You've just got to kind of be smart about it as you do it so that you don't force yourself into a situation in which you have no options. I think that is, if I can stress anything more than that, you always must keep your options open. Rules box you in. I don't know. It sounds like a piece of this too is just letting any sense of, uh, I don't want to say perfection, letting some of your expectations go of, okay, they said they're going to do this, but according to you in our childhood, we, uh, our room was literally never clean. <laughs> so uh, it seems like adjusting your own expectations and realizing that kids are at a different intellectual level different priorities and just enabling them to make the best decisions they can and trying to give them options. Okay. Yes, absolutely. When you talk about your rooms, uh, that seems to be a hot spot for a lot of parents. Uh, and I've seen this work for other people. I know other people do it. Uh, this is not unique to me. Uh, but I'd go in and say, we can't go uh, play in the backyard until the room's clean. I will help you clean your room. And, and you can help me if you want. That'll make it go faster. But if you don't want to, then you, you don't have to. But you still, you got to sit here in your room and watch me clean it. And then when it's done, then you can go out and play. And I know that might sound like I'm doing everything. But again, remember kid wants to please the parent so they see you doing something they they want they i've never had a kid that didn't help let's just put it that way uh my children pitched in you know at different ages they were you know helping or not but they were trying and their from their perspective they were making me happy they were participating with me and cleaning the room and uh, they were happy because then the result was that once that room was cleaned I, I tell them okay room's clean you go out and play now so that's just something I throw out there and whenever you say uh, you can't go play with Billy until your room's clean well then, then we have an instant power struggle <clears throat> I avoided those at all costs anytime I possibly could uh, the frustration level of the child mixed with the frustration level of the parent can ultimately end in a power struggle. It can. And in fact, it would be almost impossible to be a parent and raise kids that occasionally that didn't happen. And that's when the parent has to be smarter than the child and say, wait a minute, I take it back. Uh, I've changed my mind about the consequences of not cleaning your room so or not whatever the situation is I'm just saying that once you found yourself in a power struggle you can always get yourself out of a power struggle and in fact that should be your number one priority but in doing so you must still do what you say so watch what you say if you say you're going to do something then damn well you do it uh, and if you put yourself in that position and you say something stupid, you can always take it back and reiterate something else. 
I, sh I don't know why I, I didn't think about this before, but focusing more on the positive outcome of asking them to do whatever you're asking versus the consequence of them not doing it in most cases is probably effective. Mm -hmm. And that avoids a power struggle. Yep. Saying we get to go, I really want to go shopping, Bird. Let's let's clean up your room together and put the dishes away. And after you know those things are done, we get to go shopping. Most cases, I bet she'll be happy to help. And in your example, I might end up doing it all, but that just slows down the process. And if Bird's anything like me, she'll be very <laughs> anxious to go shopping. And I think sometimes I overthink this whole discipline thing, so I don't. It's like you don't want to do it. Nobody wants to do it. So you're, I'm already thinking, like, how do I avoid this? But then I think a lot of females especially have a fear of being a, a pushover, too. No one wants to be the parent that, you know, feels like they're getting walked over. So it's a, it's a fine line. Well, you know, it's okay to say no. Uh, and if you feel like you're being walked on, then you have the ultimate stick. Uh but be careful with what you say. Uh, and if I have been known to say to my children that if you don't stop this, I'm just going to carry you to your room. And that's where you're going to be. You can play in there, but you can't be out here. If you're going to be out here, then you have to get along with everybody else. And if that's you can't do that, then you will go to your room. And I stuck to it. And nine out of ten times, whatever they were doing that that I wasn't liking, stopped. But in that tenth time, guess what? I didn't say a word. I just got up. I picked them up. I walked them back to their room. I put them in their room gently, and I closed the door. Now, on more than one occasion, they would try to open that door up. That's where I'm standing on the outside of the door making sure that did not happen. <laughs> I, I remember that. I tried yeah, that. Yeah. Well, you got to be able to enforce without hurting uh, what you just said. Because there's nothing hurtful, painful in having to be in your room. And your rooms were quite nice. You had nice beds. You had toys. Lots of toys. Books books you had everything you would normally want to be happy but if it came down to being in there against your will then all of a sudden <laughs> you fought it uh but uh that was a battle i was not going to lose and you could you were safe in your room and there was everything in the world to do in there if you chose to and so i gave it time I don't know. I mean, five minutes is probably the longest anybody fought me. But in those five minutes, it probably seemed like an eternity. Yeah, it did. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like the firming but loving approach. And kind of wrapping up, because, gosh, there's this is a huge topic. We could probably talk about this all Oh, the and there's so many different aspects of it. And it really comes down to people want what do I do in this situation? Or what do I do in this situation? And generally speaking, you, A, you don't want to enter into power struggle. B, you want to think ahead of time so that when you do enter into something like that, you have tools in your pocket. Uh, and every time you can give your children a choice, uh, that's a great thing. Uh, even though you, they're your choices, 
There are two things that you don't mind the outcome of, but they get to choose one. Uh, it's always better if they feel like they're participating in their life and not being dictated to. Well, and those are your summary points, which is a lot of my summary points. But one of my huge takeaways is just that it's okay to change your mind. Try not to change your mind more than once or twice because then you lose believability. But for whatever reason, I've had it in my head of like, you've got to follow through. And I had that so stamped that there must be follow through that it's like a huge relief just thinking like, it's okay to change your mind. If anything, like I said earlier, I think it's a good thing. It shows that you're human. You've rethought about the situation and now here's what you think. And then that's what you follow through with. So that was the only takeaway I think I had that you didn't mention. Keep the options open that the rules are flexible. If you got rules, make them flexible so that you're not locked in. Well, we're all human. Parents are human. We have good and bad days. Kids are human. They have good and bad days. Not everything has to be a blanket statement because it may not actually feel like it applies that well, a rule in the situation that's come up as reality. You may be wishing that rule didn't exist. Um. You, absolutely <laughs> that's why I and I don't even like the word <laughs> it implies you can have a momentary rule that you just set but make sure you can live with it and make sure that it's not detrimental to your child so the next time around it requires you to think it requires you to be th- mindful to be mindful absolutely and and, and after that old thing blows over, which the sooner the better, then you can sit back with your husband or wife and, and discuss and say, you know, wasn't happy with the outcome of that. Or I thought that worked really well, in, in which case got a new tool. I wasn't happy with that, in which case I want to do it different next time. So you think about it. But nobody's going to get it right the first time. I'm not saying that uh, I'm not at all saying that I didn't have hard times. I did, but uh, I was constantly trying to think of how to help my children grow. And then when I did something that did not help them grow, then I did not like that. And then I would think about how I could have done it differently next time. And I was not above apologizing. If I did something that later I thought was wrong, I would apologize to the to my child and tell them that I made a mistake. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. But what you did wasn't right either. So I'm not condoning what you did. But what I did was wrong as well. So next time, uh, let's both try to do a better job. I love that. Being able to admit you're wrong, especially to your kids. Like I said, I think that's such a good, it's almost a value to instill at a young age because being righteous is something that we're almost born with. It's a survival instinct to want to be right and showing your kids it's okay to be wrong I think is really good. It's the number one reason all human beings argue. They can't be wrong. And if you've got two people that can't be wrong, guess what? Unless they agree, you're going to argue. Yeah. Um. I think this really all ties perfectly with mindful parenting, our main topic, because the reason I was so excited to talk to you about this new idea of having predetermined rules that the kids agree on the outcome 
if they're not followed, it's because that is a simple solution that, like you said, on paper seems great. But the reality is that there is no simple solution with parenting. And the best thing that you can do is be mindful and be in the moment and try to make your best judgment. And it's okay to pivot and change your mind if you need to, because your best judgment in the moment is not always the best, depending on millions of factors. Absolutely. That says it perfectly. Just think about Ross and the couch going up those stairs. Pivot. Pivot. (laughs) (laughs) Time to make some changes. What seemed like a great idea five seconds ago is now got us stuck in a corner. That's right. That's perfectly said. It's okay to pivot. So, well, I'm sure we'll have many more examples to talk about in the future with discipline. (laughs) and instances that come up and how to handle them but I think that covers the general principle to get us moving forward well when you're talking about mindful parenting uh, nobody said it was going to be easy it is a thinking man's game and uh, if you want to play checkers then you're going to have a lot more problems if you want to play chess you will be much more successful And the whole point of it, I think I say it in the intro, is you reap the rewards. The more connected you feel with your kid, the happier you both are. Oh, and and, well, absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. Because you want them to be happy. So if you do something that makes them unhappy, then you're defeating what you want. So they want to please you. So when they don't please you, they're defeating what they want. So given those two situations... It should be a simpler act to see what makes you both happy because that's what you both want. And it's crazy to think that people that love each other and want each other to be happy do things that go counter to that. That's the insanity of being human. (laughs) We're all a little bit insane people. (laughs) So thanks for such a good talk, Dad. You're welcome. Look forward to our next. Me too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know what topics you'd like us to talk about on an upcoming episode, or we'd also like to hear what's been working really well for you. And you can email those ideas and suggestions to generationalwisdompodcast at gmail.com or just reach out to us on Facebook. We would love it if you would like our page and share this episode with anyone you know that would benefit from hearing this conversation. Have a great week.